Greetings everybody, it's a great blessing for me to come to you today and to just preach the gospel of God's grace to you. Let us just pray as we start the service. Father, I want to thank you that we can gather today around your good news, the gospel of grace, the fact that Jesus Christ is the one that influences this world with his life. Thank you that we can be at a place where we are experiencing who and what you are, where we can have peace that is greater than understanding, life that is greater than what this world can offer, and righteousness that is exercised from you towards us. Thank you for that, Lord. Holy Spirit, thank you that you empower me in such a way that I can just preach the message of the resurrection powerfully today, encouraging your people all over the world. Amen and amen. I want to welcome everybody that is slotting in for the first time. Thank you so much that you slot in and allowing me to serve you with the good news of Jesus Christ. What this service is all about is bringing the message of God's grace, the message of God's influence on humans, wherein he brings his life to us. It's not about our works or the principles that we bring to the table whereby we have life, but where it's all about him bringing forth life to us. Today we're going to be talking about the armor of God. We're going to talk about what we traditionally would have uh, called spiritual warfare. We're going to talk about what Paul had in mind when he wrote Ephesians 6. Now, I'm supposed to preach from Romans chapter 10 today, but I was just thinking that in the light of what is going on in the world and what I see uh, in people's lives, that a message on how uh, Paul was saying that the Jews are not part uh, or that the Jews have messed up and that they're basically not being used anymore as the people through whom God is speaking. It's not going to be very relevant to where people are today. We will definitely continue with Romans chapter 10 after we have, um, we have been through, through this or as the Lord puts upon my heart to do. Uh, as I read passages, I want to see it in the light of its original context and also bring it at a place where it can be applicable for today. And I simply just don't know how to make it applicable for today. I do understand the context, but I don't know how to make it applicable for today uh, right now in the situation where a lot of the people in the church are at the moment. So I thought, let us go to Ephesians chapter 6. And as many people are going through difficult times and as people are wondering what's going on in this world, I think this is a very applicable passage and that it can encourage us greatly. So I'm going to read from Ephesians 6, and what I'm going to teach today is that the spiritual war that we are in is simply all about uh, seeing Jesus as Lord. That is what it's all about. There's so many things that shows the contrary. There's so many things that wants to point out that Jesus is not Lord. When we look at the broken world that we are in, things going on, corrupt uh, news, corrupt politicians, people losing their businesses, people suffering, people are in sickness, uh, people not having food. We might think, is Jesus truly Lord? And we might look at our very own lives and say, is Jesus truly Lord? From this passage, I'm going to show to you that the battle that there is, is to continue to see Jesus, Lord, and to be empowered from that truth. I'm going to start with Ephesians 6 verse 10. He says, finally, my brethren, 
And I just want to say this. He also said in verse 3, finally. So uh, Paul was a typical preacher. You know, when I say, well, I'm ending off or finally, and then you find another time, I also say, finally, I'm ending off. Uh, it's just the way it seems to me Paul suffered from the same thing. Uh, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, that is a very, very powerful passage right there. And we quickly read over it. We say, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then we are going heading towards the armor. We're going to say, put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And then we just see the, the globe and then around the globe, the devil's. Uh, and the darkness coming in, you know, and then it, 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 we think of the demons and the devils. And then uh, we take, it says, take unto the whole armor of God that he may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt with the truth, and then having on the breastplate of righteousness, the feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And we go through all of this. And I remember when I was in Bible school, uh, I I would get dressed every morning in the armor of God. And that I got from people teaching in mega churches, telling us that we need to get dressed in the armor of God. Now people say they physically put it on. It's like I'm getting in the breastplate of righteousness and, and all those kind of things. Maybe you weren't so radical in doing that kind of a thing, but uh, I did. So... Uh, <laughs> you look back at some of the things we've done, we think that is ridiculous. But there was something very true in that. There was a true seeking God. There was a truth inside that. And uh, the Bible says, he who seeks finds. Glory to God. So many times you can look back at some of the things that you've done and you feel a bit ashamed about that. Don't be. The fact that you now know the truth, it just shows that when you were there, you were seeking. We're not ashamed of... Uh, the scenery that we walked past or by as we were on our way uh, to the fullness of the glory of God. God leads people. He takes us out of things and brings us to life. So don't be ashamed. Sometimes we can have a good laugh about that, but, um, but that's it. So it's, I remember you know, this passage was all about be strong in the Lord, the power of his might, and now there's a battle. There's some spiritual forces that attacks and then there are the, the, the armor of God. And we must be in the truth, you know, speak the truth. We must live righteous. We must be willing to preach the gospel, the, having the, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. We must have faith, meaning I believe for that car and that breakthrough and that healing. And in the helmet of salvation, meaning that I must just know that uh, I am saved. And then the word of God as a sword we took the word of God as the sword, as the Bible and the verses we, we quote. It's something that in these days, when I refer to the word of God, and I see people refer to the word of God and they lift up the Bible, it's just a, like a cringing thing inside me. Because if we sort of realize that the Apostle Paul preached the word of God and he had no documentation with him. Paul didn't walk around with scrolls. You know, he didn't walk around with the Torah. Those were in synagogues, 
copies were made and put in synagogues, uh, you couldn't go home and read a bit of Bible in Paul's time. Neither did he send the scrolls, neither, neither was the scrolls in the hands, the, the Torah was not in the hands of the, the early church, that, be, that they didn't have anything to read, nothing. And then Paul would preach to them and he says, when I came to you and spoke the word of God to you, and he was not referring to a document, he was referring to a message. A message, that is it. Uh, and so many times we think, you know, we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we think of the Bible. Not that I want to downplay the Bible, I absolutely believe that the Bible is an inspired book. Every verse, every writer, everything we have there uh, was inspired of God. And it carries a message. But as we come into times like what we have today, we need to realize that uh, when we look at the, the armor of God, what was Paul communicating? Now, I think I will be teaching on this maybe for the next, for this Sunday, and then the, maybe the next two, maybe just one other Sunday. But I want to just get into verse 10. So what we're going to do is I'm going to explain today the context of spiritual warfare, and I'm going to explain what it is when the Bible talks about being strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The first thing I want to say is, if you go and look at passages like um, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8, you will see that when Paul mentions the fruit of the Spirit there, he talks about, I think, the breastplate of faith. But we see here it's the breastplate of righteousness. So I don't think Paul was all mixed up with, uh, you know, the breastplate of righteousness. You can't now say it's the breastplate of faith. Um, you know, he would, if we go and look at Isaiah 50, I think it's 59, 17, it talks about the very same armor, it talks about the uh, uh, breastplate of righteousness there. But then it talks about other garments and other things. It is a concept that's being portrayed. And the concept is simply to believe the truth and not have your life based on other ideologies. That is all that this is about. The battlefield is in the mind. The battlefield is in the belief. The battlefield, we find that in Adam and Eve already, it was to base your life on what you do, your own works, to find life from yourself. Uh, and this is what I see with, uh, I've just sent a message to somebody now. Uh, if a person becomes a new ager and you start to meditate and through meditation and positive things, thinking you want to draw the positive unto yourself, the only conclusion that you're going to come to is that it doesn't work. It doesn't really work. It, it doesn't have that. Uh, effect that you thought it's going to have because you will not be able to meditate as you think you should there's going to be a shortcoming and uh, that shortcoming is going to become bigger and bigger in your mind and then you can just try to up uh, go up a higher notch in your commitment and try again but it's just a law it's something you do again and again never giving true life now the reason why i'm saying that is that uh, at the end of the day, there is just one battlefield. It's either works or grace. Or we can put it this way, it's either you're going to bring life to yourself 
or you're going to allow God to fulfill what he's promised you, which is life. That is all. That is the whole thing. That's what it's all about. And Paul comes and he simply just likens this to a war. The reason why he likens this to a war is because in those times there were battles and rumors of wars and all those kind of things. And this was also him saying, let's not get involved in wars. We are ready to have the gospel of peace. We don't want wars. We want peace. We want the life of God to bring forth life in us. Now there are many ideologies in the world which says, man, God's going to give us power to make war. War against this country, war against that country. Uh, I just want to say this. I have not seen a war that has ever been successful. The only war that Paul mentions here, and I think this is what he tries to get his people to start to believe. Let us not have our minds and our hopes in taking up armor and we're now going to fight. Let us not have our hope in that. Let us have our hope in Jesus. Now I want to just say something and make it clear. There might be people that is now watching this and you are in the army. I'm not saying you should leave the army. I'm not saying that you should not be in the army. I'm not saying that if your country sends you to go and make a war somewhere that, um, that you're not allowed to do that. That is not the argument. That's not the debate. Uh, the debate would be this. If you are a soldier and you go and make a war and you go to another country and you fight the battle there because some people want to invade your country or whatever the reason would be, and you have to do what you need to do, do it, but never think that you're going to have life and that salvation comes by winning that war. It's not going to, it cannot bring salvation. It's just going to be a temporal thing maybe to get certain people that want to harm a country out of the way, but that is not where life is. Life is in Jesus. So I can put it this way. Let every soldier say, Jesus is the Lord. Let every soul just say the true war is the battle for the mind, wherein I, I need to believe in Jesus as the Lord, the one who truly gives life. Amen. Okay. So finally, my brethren, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So what is Paul saying when he's saying be strong in the Lord? He's saying be strong in the fact that Jesus is the Lord. Be strong in the fact that Jesus is the Lord. I want to just read to you quickly what that is in the Greek. That I can quote it quickly. It says uh, be strong in the Lord or be strengthened by the Lord have your strength increased have your strength increased be strengthened by the Lord now we have thought be strong in the Lord as in I'm going to be strong in my Christianity no Paul is basically coming and he's seeing that people are going through difficult times and what he's saying is be strengthened by the Lord it is useless to tell a weak person to be strong in the Lord from the perspective of come on pull up your socks be a good Christian now. No. You might be going through this 
and you might feel discouraged. You know, I speak to people every day. People send me messages every day via Facebook. Many, many messages. And um, I find people confused. Some people feel uh, neglected. Other people feel disheartened. Other people feel that the government has let them down. Other people don't know what to do, don't know what's going to happen in the future because it seems as if everybody's lying. Everybody's lying. The news media is lying to us. The government is lying to us. The doctors are lying to us. The experts couldn't, can't get their testimonies to agree. It is, it's, we don't know what to believe. Listen, the Bible says, and this has been true all the time, that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So what I'm preaching to you today is real news. This is the real news. You can believe this. If grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, and back then they also had people that would report on what Caesar has done, and they also had political systems, they also had kind of democracy going up, going around in Rome, and, and all those things. If they had that then, and truth came by Jesus Christ, it means that there was no truth. Truth, the, the true thing that God was saying came into manifestation, the truth about man, the truth about every uh, political uh, ideology and everything. It, it came into manifestation when the light started to shine, which is Jesus, and when he was raised from the dead. So I want to say this, when I, practically I want to share from my own life, when I take this passage and says, be strong in the Lord, and in the power of his might. It says be strong in the fact. That Jesus is the Lord. Of this world. Now we know that the Bible does talk about the God of this world. And then he talks about the world system. And that there is a God and a ruler of that world system. But I want to say that Jesus is the Lord of this earth. And Everything here. He's the Lord. Then inside or inside him being Lord, like you would find a country and you'll find that there is a president, but there will also be a group or a system that's against the president. It doesn't make that he's not even their president and president over them. They just got their own system going. And that's what the Bible talks about there. So when I look at this, I say, and this is what strengthens me. I'm strong in the fact that Jesus is the president of South Africa. When we would take the, the language used here, when Paul was saying Jesus is Lord and Messiah, he was basically saying, and when he say he is king, he was basically saying Caesar is not. He preached this in a political, he preached the influence of the Lordship of God into the political level. Wherein his hope was not in who Caesar would, the next Caesar would be. Neither in what the Caesar does or has done. The only advice he gave to the church is, these people with a sword, don't go and mess with them. 
don't go now and willfully say, and I think they had some Christians doing that, say, well, Jesus is Lord, Caesar and his armies, they are not, so we're mocking them, we don't care about them. And if they say, walk on this side of the road, then we're not going to do that because Jesus is our king. And then they get locked up. So I think Paul was advising them and saying to them, listen, yes, those authorities are there. They are there for safety and protection and those kind of things. Don't go and look for trouble with a man that's got the sword. He bears that sword for a reason. And there are certain authorities that also is under the jurisdiction of God. Don't look for trouble with those people. But he was not saying that the rulership of that time is the rulership over the people. Jesus remains Lord. So what helps me today is, if I know that Jesus is physical, and that this earth is physical, and that he is the Lord of this world, right now, Lord over me, and that I'm under his government and under his rule, he cannot be impeached. This is not a democracy where we can vote now, him in or out. He lives forever. He's got no beginning of days, nor end of life. He is the Lord. He is physical. He's a physical man. The fact that he's not manifested now as a physical man doesn't matter. He is more physical than what you and I am. We can still lose our physicality. We can still decay into dust. But Jesus, the man Jesus, is so physical that he can never change his form. He can never go to non-physical. He was raised from the dead. His physicality is of such a high order that we maybe not realize it in our lower form of physicality right now. He shall manifest in this world. His glory shall fill every person. And the fullness of his life shall be in everyone. He's not a ruler that governs for own benefit. He loves others and he's come and he's laid down his life for his friends. And he brings life to us. So if I'm strong in the Lord, I'm strong not in the fact that uh, I'm now going to be a strong Christian and I'm going to bind the devil when I see trouble and I'm going to claim certain things or that. No, I'm just strong in the fact that I'm thinking of and knowing Jesus is the Lord. And when I define Lord there, I like to use the word president. Jesus is the president. Yes, but did you know what Cyril Ramaphosa said now? Or do you, have you heard the thing Donald Trump said again? Well, I really care what they say. Uh, they can say whatever they want and maybe that can influence a little bit on if we stay at home or not or that for a period of time. But that has got no bearing on my freedom. For I have been liberated and set free from sin and death. You see, the moment we make Jesus Lord, something happens to our minds. There are certain thought patterns that we cannot think anymore. It is, it is out of our mind. And certain paths in our brain has opened up and God has built those, building those neuron paths. We are starting to think and act in certain ways when we start to believe that Jesus is Lord. Like in South Africa, uh, I mean... We are free. 
We are free. And freedom is defined as, I'm free to do whatever I want. I'm free to marry whoever I want. I'm free to do all those things. And the Jews also thought that they were free. And to a certain degree, they were free. Um, because in that time, many religions were, by Rome, forced to pay homage to Caesar and honor him as God, but not the Jews. Not the Jews. There was time when that was also enforced on them. But when the Caesars came, I mean, under the Greek uh, rulership, under the Hellenization, they had to, they made the, took the temple and dishonored it and put idols into it. And it had, there was idol worship taking place in the temple by the Greeks. But when the Romans came, they took over, they honored the, the, the Jews. And they basically said, well, we're giving them some special favor here. They, they're kind of free to a certain degree. And the Jews, when they came to Jesus, they said, we're not in bondage to any man. When they came to Jesus, Jesus said, listen, you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. They said, we're not in bondage to any man. And then Jesus said, he who is bound to sin is a slave of sin. And says, you are a slave, you are in bondage. And here we find now a new definition of freedom. A definition of freedom which cannot be defined in democracy. A higher freedom. When we realize Jesus is Lord. When we realize Jesus is Lord, we don't need democracy to be free. We can be free if we, even if we're stuck in North Korea. It's amazing for me to see uh, how many people from Saudi Arabia download my things. You know, from Facebook, my, my courses. How many people in China download these things? There are so many downloading this, watching this. A, 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 a absolute, absolute Islam states where there's not Christians there. They are downloading a lot of the messages. Not via YouTube, other, other platforms. So I'm amazed to see the freedom that God brings. So those people that are, if you're in North Korea, will you ever be able to say that you are free? Can a North Korean ever be free? Or should God first create democracy in order for the North Korean to be free? Or can Jesus set the man free? Doesn't matter if he's under dictatorship. You see, the moment you say Jesus is Lord, the things of this world cannot bind you anymore. You might say, but Bert, you know, I don't know. That looks like mind over matter. You see, when we start to believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we believe that he is a physical man and that he is truly a physically the Lord, we, this is not anymore a mind over matter. It's not, I'm too heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good. All of a sudden, the goodness of heaven has come to earth. The goodness of heaven has come to earth and the kingdom of God is now in this world. The Lord says clearly, this is how you should pray. Our God, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then Jesus says, the kingdom of God has now come nigh unto you. So here is the kingdom of God. That prayer is being fulfilled. We are saying, give us this day our daily bread. What does that mean? The, the manna that falls from heaven every day. That is what we take. The rulership of Jesus is our food. The fact we eat his body 
What it means is we live off the fact that Jesus was bodily raised from the dead. And that he is truly the Lord over my life. He is the one that laid down his life. He is the president over my life. And his job is by the Father to serve me with eternal life. That is John chapter 6. John 6 says, Jesus said, No one can come to me unless it's given to him by the Father. As the scripture says, Everyone shall be taught of the Father. He who hears and obeys comes to me. And then I will, and the job that I have with them is that I will give them eternal life in the last day. So what is Jesus' job? Jesus' job is to set you free, free from sin, free from death, and give you eternal life. That's why Jesus poured out of his spirit on all flesh. It's Jesus' job to bring forth freedom in your life. So if this becomes our reality, we will find that we are not so much troubled by things of lower order. You see, we've made Jesus too spiritual. We've made Jesus too immaterial, too non-physical. We've made Jesus a ghost. Jesus is not a ghost. He's a man. He's a human. And he says, I will never leave you. Jesus has never left us. He has gone into an exaltation. Where is he? Jesus is living with us here. He is in a different dimension or a higher level of physicality, which we cannot perceive or measure by our science. But he's with us. And he shall manifest himself and glorify us all. That is the true rulership. And we should believe on that. That is the true news. That is the real news. All other news, doesn't matter how true it is in connection with the realities of this world, is fake news. It's not true news. It's not real news. The real good news is that Jesus was raised from the dead. Now it says here, be strengthened by the fact that he is Lord and let us be strengthened in the power of his might. What does he mean when he talks about the power of his might? Let us read that. Ephesians 1, 19. Or we can go from verse 17. It says, this is Paul's prayer. He says, I cease not to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Does it look as if Paul is, Paul is threatened by what Caesar's latest message was? <laughs> Paul doesn't even write about Caesar. He doesn't care about Caesar. He doesn't care about the political situation of his time. He knows Jesus is Lord. And 
relevant for his day as pertaining to God's truth, he says, Jesus is Lord. But Bertie, that's not really relevant. We know it's most relevant. It's not relevant if you think Jesus is a ghost. He's not a ghost. He is the physical king of this world. That is what he is. And it can never change. It will never change. Glory to God. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let us have be strengthened by the fact that he is Lord and let us be strengthened by the dunamis or the power of his might, which is the force that raised Jesus from the dead. Let us rather be strong in the fact that Jesus is conquering death in this world by the power of the resurrection. So church, I want to encourage you. Don't be overtaken by the newsman. It's fake news. It's fake news. Doesn't care, I don't care who's the political leader. If the political leader, if your president doesn't come up and say, I want to just come and give you the real news today that this government is not truly the government of this country. Jesus Christ is a physical man and the true government is his and we are under his power. He cannot be impeached. He is the true president and this government is simply here for a little bit of law and order but the government the true government is Jesus and I want all of you in my country to know that this government is just a Mickey Mouse small little thing it is not the true government of God Jesus is the true president unless he says that he's not busy with real news Is busy with man-made systems and, and things. Church, church, I, I'm saying this from the depth of my heart. As much as what your business's finances cannot define you, your constitution of your country cannot define you. It cannot. Our constitution needs us to live. Our constitution cannot exist out of if, if we don't give our life to it. We need to give our lives to our constitutions so that our constitutions can stay in power. That means that if mortals need to help something else to stay in power, it is more mortal than us. It cannot survive. So why will we put our trust and our safety and our hope why would we say, God, protect this dying thing so that we can be alive? No, we are of a higher order. We are standing under the order of Jesus, who is according to the order of an endless life, which is the order of Melchizedek, according to Hebrews chapter 7. The other day I was speaking to somebody and um, I, I said to him, well-being defined to me is immortality. That's well-being. That is true well-being for me. And I cannot, God doesn't need my life to be alive. Jesus doesn't need my life to be alive. The Word of God doesn't need me to exist. It exists and has life and offers it to me.
No system of this world can have my life. I'm not going to give my life to a system of this world in the hope of peace and joy and security. I will rather say I can give my life and make my life available for a life that can make me happy even if I'm under a dictatorship. That can set me free, doesn't matter how I'm bound. Where freedom can be true freedom. What government can set you free from sin? There is none. What our governments offer us is not what we need. We need eternal life. We need Jesus. We need freedom from bondage of sin and death. That is what we need. And that is what I believe Paul is busy with here. When Paul went around and he said, I want to just say to you that Jesus is Lord. He didn't say it as we say it today. In the hope that we can have maybe some money or something here or there. No. Jesus was Lord for Paul even when he wrote Ephesians from jail. He was bound. And in, in that bondage. He knew that he can never be bound. You couldn't set Paul more free than what he was when he was right there in jail, bound. In what we call bondage, we are still reading today the freedom and the liberality that he had. 2 Corinthians 8, Paul comes and he says, I want to testify about the grace of God. That was on the poor churches in Macedonia. How they above their own ability. In the midst of great poverty. Lived according to their liberality. That is difficult words of saying. That these people were so free. That whilst they were poor. They could be generous. Why? Because they were strong in the power of God's might. To set you free. Even if this government couldn't set you free. This government is promising us, promising people money and security and safety and this and that. They are fighting from the morning until evening. They've got, there's no hope in them. Nothing. No hope. It's not worth the time we spent on it. It's not worth the time watching that news. It's not worth the time. I can promise you now. And you can say, that sounds like an old Pentecostal with these laws. Think whatever you like. But I can tell you now, if you switch off the news for one month and you meditate upon the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you'll be a new man. Everything will change for you. You will have more peace than what you've ever had in all your life. I can promise you that. I'm not saying that you must go and do that. But what I'm saying, the point that I'm trying to make is what the Apostle Paul has made. He said clearly in other letters, he says, meditate on whatsoever is good and noble of good report. Meditate on these things. That, that's what he's saying. So he says, finally, my brethren, be strong or be strengthened by the fact that Jesus is the Lord and in the power of the resurrection. Put on the whole armor of God. What he's talking about it there is 
put on the whole mentality of God. Glory to God. I think I'm going to read one more. Let's go to Second Second Corinthians. Quickly here. Let me read one more and then next week we will pick it up from there. 10. Second Corinthians 10. It says, For we walk in the flesh, but do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. That imaginations is basically the word ideologies. So what he's saying is, when we, the weapons of our warfare, the way we go to war, is this way. We have everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, we bring into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. What was the obedience of Christ? He obeyed unto death. Then he was raised from the dead, conquered all sin and death. So any thought that wants to come and make exalt itself against the fact that Jesus is Lord, we, the Bible says here, we cast it down. That word cast down, in the Greek, go and study it for yourself. It means to take it off from the cross. So when will you take something off from the cross? when you go and bury it it was taken off from the cross where did he go into the tomb so this is casting down imaginations every thought and every imagination the end of every thought and every imagination of man's ability the end the end of every government rule and their ideologies is vividly portrayed on the cross it's died it's cursed it cannot live. It is death. Now take it from there and bury it now. We cast down every imagination and everything that exalts itself against what God knows and what we know about God and when he raised Jesus from the dead. You must realize that Paul wrote this in a massive, while the uh, Caesar worship was growing exponentially in the known world. They were building temples with Caesar worship everywhere. It was outgrowing the church by I don't know how many times. It was much faster growing than the church. But it didn't matter for Paul. He says we see their ideologies, we see their methods, we see their hopes and their freedoms and everything. Listen, nobody's going to, I don't want to be taught. Let me give you this. Am I say back to you crazy today? I don't want to be taught that I am free when I can fly wherever I want, when I want. That is a very low definition of freedom. That is, that is <laughs> the greatest depression that you can ever find is um, when you've come to Oscar Wilde's said this when you are at the end of all the things you are free to do you come to the saddest point that you can ever have it is like when you win the olympic games you you're the best athlete you go and speak to those athletes most of them just after that is the saddest point in their life Jesus 
is the Lord. That means his definition of freedom is the only one that makes sense, that is true. And no other definition of freedom can ever be of higher ranking than his definition of freedom. We are pulling down strongholds. We are pulling down any definition or anything that's outside of what God knows. God says you'll know the truth and the truth shall set you free. What is the truth? The truth was to the Jews that you are bound by sin, but I, you will know the truth that I'll be raised from the dead. I am the Messiah over sin and death and I'll give you immortality. So if the, the bondage that Jesus gives as a definition of truth. Listen, man, Paul even writes, he says, those of you that are slaves don't even seek to be free. <laughs> Imagine that craziness. Why would he say to a person that is a slave not to even seek to be free? Paul wrote that. That would be like under the old apartheid system saying to the blacks, man, don't even seek freedom from apartheid. Why would you seek that? The same Paul says, when you can be free from slavery, take it. But what he was saying is, you can be so occupied with the freedoms of this world. You can be so occupied to be free from human oppression that that becomes your life. But you and the one oppressing, oppressing you are both suffering of something called death. And you need to be saved from that. <laughs> so, rather seek his kingdom and his rule over your life. Let us lift our eyes a bit. Glory to God. Be strong in the Lord and in the powers of His might. Let us take off from the cross these other ideologies. You can only be happy when you can sit on the beach. That's a lie. You can only be happy if the government all the time says everything right. That's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell. People in North Korea that believe in Jesus are happy. They are gloriously full of joy. Now, thank God for the freedoms that we have now. I believe Paul would say to somebody in North Korea, don't even seek for freedom, but if it is offered you, take it. So they, he would basically say to him, if you can move and now live in South Africa or in America or in Canada or somewhere, go and do that. Go, if you can go and live in Europe, do that. But don't let your whole mindset be, I'm only saved if this thing has changed. Because right there where you are, you can be saved from sin and death. Glory to God, experience in the life of God. To make, let's make it practical for what people are going through today. This means that the voice about us, let's say we, you've got a business. I, I think of, of a lot of people in our churches that run businesses. Your business is losing a lot of money. You know what? As we are strong in the Lord and the power of His might, we will know. How to, from that victory, manage our business for the year and now. See certain things for what it is. Adapt a bit according to the wisdom of God. Do what you need to do. And you'll see the life that's in you also reflect in your business. That's just the way it is. The worst thing that can happen now is, or about worse than what it is, is when you try and look at things falling apart because of a world where things go up and down and defining your life by that. 
Don't do that. God should have done that. Should have done this. Don't do that. Rather be strong in the Lord. See the resurrected Jesus. See the glorified Christ. See the power of his might. The power that has raised him from the dead. Have a new definition of freedom. Take that. He's already nailed every ideology to the cross. man. I don't care about what conspiracy. Let's say all those conspiracies are right. Let's say uh, they want to do vaccines. Let them... Let them, let's say they, they force down vaccines on everybody. You don't have a choice. You're going to take it or sit in jail. Or let's say they make it worse. You don't get vaccine. They're going to decapitate you. What? My goodness, man. Let me tell you something. With that vaccine, you can still be happy. We have put our life and all our joy and all our thought and all our energy. And we became weak in the strength of a weak, weak people. Instead of, let us behold the resurrected Jesus church. That's where true life is. Now I've been long over the time that I plan to preach. Let us just pray together. Father, I want to thank you for the fact that we can come and say, we are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's not by our works. It's not by our ability. It's by your grace. It's not by us obeying the laws. And Lord, as Christians, we know it's not by the law. But so quickly the enemy comes and tempts us with other laws. Laws of this world. Laws of definitions of happiness and things. But thank you, Lord, that in the midst of all these things, we find, as some people in North Korea, as some people in China, sitting, being oppressed, as some people in Saudi Arabia, that doesn't have freedom of religion and those kind of things. Where we find them overjoyed with the life of God, strong in the Lord. That we as well, in the Western world, in democracies, can behold Jesus. The Lord, the true Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can rest in you. I want everybody to say with me, say... Jesus is Lord. God is our Father. All authority, say these words, all authority in heaven and earth is given unto Jesus. Therefore, we go and declare it. Amen and amen. You are safe in the hands of God. God bless.